God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form, void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he saw that the light was good. It's a very important thing. Whatever God created as real and as reality, he also determined the value of. And he valued it as good. And God separated the light from the darkness, called the light day, the darkness night. And there was an evening and a morning, the first day. God created order out of chaos. And he set the bounds of our reality, our logic in place. And then the whole creation story ensues after that, how he builds upon that step-by-step logically improving the conditions of earth to a place where it would be able to accommodate animal life. And today's debate is not about how, we, how fast that happened or how slow that happened. The fact is that it happened. Certain things happened before other things could happen. There was vegetation before there was animals because the animals would need to eat the vegetation. God created order and logic. And that is what this world was based on and how this world was formed. And as a Christian, we have to understand that everything that the Bible contains is there to give us an understanding of how to view reality and how to interpret reality. And so our interpretation is that God is truth and He reveals what is real. He reveals what is real. Now, there are, and this is what we call a biblical worldview. How many of you have heard the term worldview before? Okay. So a worldview is basically, the, the, the way you use a worldview is you use your worldview to interpret life, to view life and to make sense of it. But how do we view life? We view life through our beliefs, our, our things that we know and assume about things. Um, all of those things help us to interpret and make decisions about what is real for us here. That's a very rudimentary explanation of what a worldview is. But there are other worldviews in this world. Like other religions have a very different perception of what is reality. Why? Because their deity defines their reality. Like Hindus believe in reincarnation. So what they believe, this reality, is just, is just a cycle. Never-ending cycle. That has implications for the value of something. If this is just going to repeat, why worry about anybody else? Especially if your worldview tells you that they probably deserve to be in the situation where they are now. Based on a previous life's bad doings. So that makes it, I won't try to change anything about that. Why should I? That person probably deserved it. This is justice. Your whole concept of life Justice, everything gets influenced by the way you view the world. Christians have a worldview, but there's not just religious worldviews. There's also like social worldviews like communism, humanism, postmodernism. And these worldviews are, are used to make sense of our reality, to explain how to view and interpret what we see. So there are seven areas that a worldview will speak into. Okay? So just stay with me because what we want to do is we want to be able to understand why we believe what we believe is real. Okay? First, God and the universe. A, a worldview will say something about this world origin. 
What is real and where did it come from? A worldview will say something about knowledge. How do we know what we know? What is truth? A worldview will talk about self. What is human? Community. What is society? And how do we view it? It talks about time. How do we measure the procession of the progression sorry, of life? A worldview will define what is moral, what is valuable, what is good, and what is not. And a worldview defines where all this leads to, a dest- your destiny. So as we mention these things, you can clearly, if you've, if you've studied and if you've been aware of your Christianity, you know what the Bible says about God and our world. You know what the Bible says about truth. You know what the Bible says about us as human. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God. And all of these aspects are spoken to by the, by the Bible because the Bible is a complete view of life. A complete view of life. In other words, it's, it covers every single experience that you might go through. Every single Perception that you have in your mind is either informed by the Bible or it is informed by something else. So that's the first thing. God is truth and he reveals what is real. Now, if you're not a Christian, it is a different conversation about about this. Because if you don't acknowledge the existence of God, you have to answer each of these questions for yourself. You have to come to terms with where does all this come from. You have to satisfy intellectually in your mind that this was able to come about purely without the work of a supernatural being. And that's what Charles Darwin tried tried to do. And that's where um, the whole new atheist movement sparked afresh out of Charles Darwin's teachings on evolution. And why it was such an incredible attack on reality, because all of a sudden there was the option of believing in a reality apart from one that was created by God. That is slowly but surely becoming more and more unlikely, and more and more scientists are starting to reject the view that this world could come about purely by the fact of chance. And many scientists are now starting to look at other theories, which if you look, if you want to, to look at a very credible theory of things, you can look at uh, intelligent design theory. Intelligent design theory. For those of you who want to Google, who likes to think about things, intelligent design theory. It's really great how they, not from a religious point of view, but from a scientific point of view, refute the claims that every evolutionist has made through mathematics, through science, and through biology, um, and they propose a different theory. Um, so you have to decide what is true. But here's the thing. If you don't have somebody who created, and truth is literally something that develops, then everybody gets to define truth. So how do you, how do you maintain a just society where there is no ultimate decider of what is true, of what is good? How do you argue that you're not allowed to steal my stuff if there is no rule ultimately that says it's wrong to steal? And then go with kill, go with rape, go with everything. How do you argue against any immoral deed if there isn't some objective truth that says that this is wrong? 
And let me just show you the progression here that we're currently facing. Right now in our country, it is like lobbyists are arguing hard against decriminalizing pedophilia. Why are these things happening? Because we have unhinged our worldviews from truth, as is defined by God. So now remember, we're talking about identity today. And I want to bring this back to identity. But first, let me say, because number two, point number two, because God created an established order and he valued it as good, we see reality is the world or the state of things as God defines it because that is how it actually exists. So let me make a point here about worldview. Viewing the world through what scripture reveals of it is viewing the world as it actually exists. This is super important because in the coming years, you are going to be challenged and young people, you are going to be challenged to your wit's end by views that try to color this world in differently than God colored it. And it is super important that you start understanding the foundation of your worldview is scripture. And that that is not just an opinion of reality. Because God created this reality, it is how reality exists in actuality. That's super important. A biblical worldview makes you see the world as it is. It doesn't give you an opinion of how the world is. It gives you the truth about how the world is. But let's do a quick exercise here today, okay? So I want to ask all of y'all to close your eyes real quick, okay? And now imagine I am giving you a pair of sunglasses. And the shade of your sunglasses lenses are different colors, Okay, so someone is yellow, someone is pink, someone is blue, purple, you know. Now I want you to figuratively, not physically, keep your eyes closed, figuratively open your eyes and see through the color of lens that you chose. We all know what happens, right? Your whole world turns that color. Every light that shines to you now turns that color. Now tell the person next to you what color the world is. Don't refer to your sunglasses. You can open your eyes. Don't refer to your sunglasses. You're not allowed to make mention of your sunglasses. I want you to try and convince the person next to you what color the world that you see the world as. That's almost impossible, right? It's like, where do I start? How do I convince you that the world is yellow? Look, it's yellow. No, it's green. I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's yellow. Well, how do you know it's yellow? Well, that's what I experience. 
It's yellow, and you can't tell me no different. And that's where so many people find themselves today, is that somewhere a lens have come on their faces, and the way they view the world as now is determined on the color of the lens that they're looking through. Here's what you got to know. As a Christian, if you're living with a biblical worldview, and I need to say something about that, okay? Because unfortunately, today's Christianity has lots to work on to get to a biblical worldview. So everybody right now in this room has a pair of glasses on. We all do. But here's the thing is if you become conscious of your glasses, if I live with these glasses on, and sometimes, how I many of you, you, you wear glasses, you sometimes forget you have glasses on until they get dirty, right? Sometimes you don't even know, know the dirt on them even. even. Ask my wife. So like, Can you even see through that thing? I say, fine, what do you mean? And then I take it off and I'm like, my, 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 my bad eyes see better than with the glasses. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> okay. If you are then unconscious, you're not even aware of the glasses that are on you. Can you see how sometimes when somebody tells you this is wrong, there is no way for you to agree with what they're saying? You're not even aware that you're being influenced by a view of this world that is changing your depiction of reality. And so what's so difficult about this is that the world has become so dang good at it. Getting us to even believe that the Bible's way of life is, is of lesser moral excellence than what some of these frames would now convince us humanity is supposed to live up to. And that's the danger we have, and that's the danger you have if you're disagreeing with Scripture and you cannot understand why you're disagreeing with Scripture, you have to come become aware of the lens that you're wearing. Because until you are, until you are aware, conscious of the influence that is on you, there's no way that you can even consider a different opinion. And now it's become so mentally exhaustive, no, exhausting, exhausting to try and explain to somebody that the world is green. <laughs> that for the most part, people are starting to revert or resolve to more serious measures. And incomes, cancel culture, all these things that shut down conversation, that doesn't want to even debate the thing anymore. And kids don't even want to listen to what their parents have to say. Parents don't want to listen to what their kids have to say. And when the conversation breaks down, historically it's been proven, war breaks out. And that's where we are. We're a society at war with one another. Why? Because we are so unaware of our views, how we view this reality. So what we as Christians need to do is we need to work on our 
biblical view. Essentially what we have to do is we have to look at what the Bible said, and if we disagree with it, we have to take off that lens. And we have to say, this is how I'm going to view the world now. Because not agreeing with God's truth is not agreeing with how the world actually exists. God is truth. He reveals reality. Trying to argue that this reality is by some reason not real or good has now become the latest push in our pop culture. Okay? But every contrary view to Scripture is, some, is in some way, small to a large, distortion of what is real. Remember, the, the, the enemy cannot create. He can only deviate from what is what is. What is. The challenge is some of these entities that push for these things have become so culturally popular and have portrayed themselves in such a moral good that, unfortunately, this morality devoid of holiness, um, that now it's difficult to almost argue with them. Um, and here's one thing that you have to understand is that every organization or entity or person that argues for a reality other than God um, has in some way rejected God. And if you, if you are a person that does not want to reject God, you have to be careful to just adopt that view because those views are actually devoid now of God. And let me say that the main players in our society right now are actively and openly rejecting the notion of God. Because the minute you introduce God, you introduce accountability. And you, you introduce holiness. And, holy, and holiness don't allow man to define what is moral and what is immoral, good or evil. Holiness sets the standard. It is the standard. And so, yet at the same time, people who, who, who are of these opinions, they, they, have, they have definitely a real um, a plea, a real plea. This is how I see the world. Why can't you accept that? The mistake is made by saying that my experience now is of ultimate authority. And the, and the problem that they, that they make is they say, man, but my, my experience, my struggle is caused by you disagreeing with me. You are the problem to my reality not being accepted. So that's, that's the dilemma we sit with. It's you are the problem. I am in a struggle here for my truth. But you not accepting my truth is the problem, is, is the cause, the origin of my struggle. But the reality is, is that every human being is born with a conscience. And the origin of their struggle is not external. It's not your disagreement or Christianity's disagreement with them. It is in fact an internal disagreement that won't let them go. That won't let them settle in their 
deviation from God's truth. But the, but the, but the hope here is, and I, and I quote from Chris Vallotton, who wrote a book called Uprising, recommended. He said, our society is trying to normalize brokenness. That is so deep, it defies logical explanation. So remember last, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke, well, maybe even last week, Father's Day message. We understand the hurt and the, the struggle that people go through, yet we cannot allow that to take away the standard. We cannot allow that to change what is God's definition of how family is to operate. We have to use that as an anchor to say, how close can I come to that by the grace of God? And every one of us are dealt a different hand, a different challenge to be able to get there. But the there cannot be redefined. We rather have to say, okay, how do I, how do I change this here so that I can aim toward that more effectively? How can I call on my brothers and sisters around me to help me aim toward that more effectively? But that shouldn't change. Same here is our society is trying to normalize. Why? Because the hope is that normalizing, normalizing immoral lifestyles will remove the intense shame of living in sin. Chris Valentin. This is so important. Remove the disagreement and I will have peace. But the problem is they will not have peace because the challenge is not external. It is internal. There is no peace in your truth. Your truth does not have the authority to grant you peace. The only place you can find peace is under the authority of God's truth. And let me tell you, even if you find yourself struggling to experience God's truth as your own reality, there's still peace for you in His reality within your struggle. That's how powerful His authority is because He can grant you peace regardless of your experience and of your struggle. There is hope for those whose experiences are different from what the Bible defines reality as because God's authority is able to just, just barge through all those things and say to you, I see you, I've created you, I want you. And because of that, I can redeem you. And I will redeem you regardless of your experience. God created you in his image, and he determined it good. Any other view will undervalue you for who you truly are. In fact, it will disempower you. It won't empower you. See, the lie that society believes is like, I, if, I, if, I, if, if, if I reject normativity as is defined by the Bible, I will be free. Thank God I'll be free. But in actual fact, it doesn't make them free. The struggle never goes away. And then it escalates. And the more people that come together and says, yeah, those dang Christians, they don't believe what we're saying. They, you know, those, those people, they don't want to believe what we're saying. We have, to, we have to organize to get them to believe us. What do you get? You get what you see right now. You get organized resistance 
to normativity, to what God in His Word has described reality as. And then that starts taking over the worldview. And then the worldview shifts away from, I am having an internal struggle with my sin nature, to I am having an external trouble with somebody who is oppressing me. That is a worldview shift. It's no longer I am struggling against my own proclivity to deviate from what God has said should be real and should be right. No, 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 no. My trouble is because somebody is not agreeing with me. And somebody is withholding from me the right to define myself as what I want to be. Does that sound familiar to y'all? And look, once again, I understand the reality that people are in. Why? Because they're unaware of their glasses. And when you're unaware of your glasses... You will view the world through it unconsciously. No, this will not empower you. In fact, it will make you a slave of your circumstance. And you can never get out of that. In fact, now we are supposed to tell people that you will never get out of this state of being. I refuse to do that to any human being that was created in the image of God. And the biblical worldview provides hope that you do not have to remain a slave of your circumstances. You can overcome them. This is what Genesis 1, in the end of Genesis 1 says, God said, let us make man in our image. Right there, that is huge, y'all. That is incredibly deep that there defines our reality you and i are created in the image of god we're not created in the image of man in the image of let us make man in our image after our likeness and then this one is the next biggest statement in scripture let them have dominion after after it is finished on the cross let them have dominion. Have you ever read this verse and realized how much authority God gave man to work with on earth? Dominion. Dominion. <laughs> it's not let us, you know, just participate. Or, no, 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 no. You are to have dominion over the earth. Rule over it. Over everything in it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We can go into this so much, but the bottom line is, is that God's idea of you is rulership. It's not disempowerment. It's not victim of circumstance. God's idea of you is rulership. Every single human being. This is why racism is so wrong. Because it fundamentally views humans as different where God's view of humans is that they're all created, equally able to rule over this world. God hates it. 
Because that's not how he defines reality. And if God hates it, we ought to hate it. Sorry, this thing is locking on me. So he created them in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish and the birds and the every living creeping thing on the, on, that moves on the earth. So this is our reality, y'all. Here's my third point. True reality is fundamental to true identity. For you to truly understand who you are and how you view and ought to view yourself, you have to first understand what is real. What is real? Oh, let's just be real, man. Let's just be real. Unfortunately, that term has been hijacked and be real now literally means just be whatever you want to be. But you can't be real if that reality is a deviation from God's definition of reality. So be real, but be real. The more you view yourself as different from Scripture, what Scripture defines about you, the more you're going to find yourself disempowered and, 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 and compromised. True reality is fundamental to true identity. And the qualifier true there is important because it has to be a reality as defined by God. But knowing what is true gives us all a true north for us to orient ourselves to. When there is no definitive true reality, it leaves you lost, anxious, and even depressed because you can never find what you're searching for. That is why as Christians, we have such an excellent view of the world through Scripture. True reality is defined clearly, and we can all orient ourselves to it. And orienting ourselves to it brings the freedom and the peace that we are all looking for. So what does this mean for me as a Christian? And this is why I want to, where I want to address all of our lenses. It means for me that I, as a Christian, believe that I am first a child of God, and then whatever identity marker are added to me. I'm first a Christian, and then a South African. I'm first a Christian, and then an American. That means that my Christianity defines my Americanism. My Americanism does not define my Christianity. And unfortunately, as the church globally in the West, and I grew up in a Western worldview, I grew up very similar to y'all, we have done a bad job at this. We have allowed our, 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 our cultural identities or our nationalistic identities to define our Christianity. And that's the lens, y'all, each and every one of us need to become aware of, that we are walking within the Western world. We view this world with a mindset that isn't purely true reality. And let me tell you that most of our issues sprout not from our adherence to true Scripture, but probably from the deviation to Scripture that we have superimposed upon Scripture as Scripture. 
and that are now being shown as not being true, totally true. And baby gets thrown out with the bathwater. Because that's not true, then Christianity is not true. Because Christianity is just for a specific people. It's not for all people. But if my Christianity defines my every other identity, then it means I'm going to see every other identity through the reality that God described it to be. My racial identity is defined by my Christianity. My racial identity is defined by my Christianity. And you will hear the exact opposite being said today. I am not a Christian who is blah, 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 blah. I am X, Y, and Z who is also claiming to be a Christian. That is a mistake. And so I am to view myself through the reality of Scripture. Galatians 3 verse 26 says the following, For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. In Christ you are all sons and daughters of God through your faith in Christ Jesus. All of us, no different. There is absolutely zero differential. We are all sons of God and daughters of God through our faith in in Christ. He says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We have literally put on an identity. as, As you get born again into this new Christian life, you become somebody new. You become first Christ Christ one, and then whatever else. Verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abram's offspring and heirs to the promise. What is that promise? That promise is living according to the, to the victory of Christ in this world and the one to come. We are victorious. We, are, we, we have inherited victory. But if you put an identity marker before your Christianity, it serves as a filter to the promises of God that you can receive. And ask yourself, how many of The promises of God are filtered out through this filter that I'm putting over me. We all know about filters on the real picture. Put a filter. Very soon you can't see (laughs) some of the details anymore. It becomes so... Now I see myself as no longer victorious in Christ Jesus because my filter have taken that possibility out because I see myself not according to reality anymore I see myself according to a different view of reality and what happens with you when you see yourself as 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 not victorious that's what you produce that's what you young people like to even say this that's what you manifest you keep producing that It's important here to note that diversity in Scripture 
was basically used to describe our unity, not our differences. It downplays our differences. It brings out our unity. It brings out our, 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 our unified identity, which is Christ. And this is what we need to come back to as the church. But it's been thrown at us so much, this whole, oh, we are all so different. No, in Christ, we are all so similar, y'all. There are no two similar people of the same color. Like I grew up in a, in a household that was so radically different from Esther's household that we, in order to have peace between us, had to reject both of our households and decide we're going to do something new. Because we were culturally so different. Same ethnicity, same country, radically different. But we are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. Last point, my gender identity is true as defined by God. Because God created my reality. I can trust Him with my gender identity. It's important to note here that the only, when God created humans, the only distinction He made. <laughs> y'all, when the Bible says something, it means something, okay? God did not talk about the different cultures that was going to develop, ethnicities, colors that was going to develop. The only thing God deemed necessary to define was the difference between male and female. So you and I have to understand that God's reality defines gender as we view it through His reality. Even if you have gender, gender dysphoria or if you, if you struggle to, to settle with what your biological sex is, now that word has become offensive, you are still defined by God. That is still your truth, your true reality. And it's only in that reality that you will find peace. But it's going to take you to consciously take your glasses off, the frames off that have painted and tainted your worldview. To not view your reality, your self-identity, the way God views you. To conclude here for us today knowing how to differentiate between truth and what is subjective experience that makes us able to, to, to find a stable grasp on reality to start building back to what is good and what is healthy. And here's the best news of all. If you are in Christ, you have received the ability. You have received the ability to accept His reality of you. That's why it's so powerful. His truth has the authority to break through your experience and to show you His way and to grant you peace because He made you in His image. You don't have to be ruled by your circumstances or ruled by your experiences 
Rather, it's your job as his co-ruler. Say, I'm a co-ruler. Your job is to impress your true identity on your experiences and to rule over it. That's true freedom. The ability to express you, but the real you. To not be dominated by a frame that is causing you to live in a disempowered state where you can't receive the promises of God, but freedom from all these lies that allows you to speak to this world and say, this is who I am. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And there is no shame in me being who I am and what I am. Let's close our eyes today. I know there's so much more that needs to be said and can be said, but for us, this is a conversation that we needed to have and we need to get into because it's become so necessary for us as a society, but also I believe for the sake of our next generation, we have to know how to talk about these things. We can't avoid talking about these things because let me tell you, the, the challenge and the fight for our identity is much closer than we actually think. Much closer than we think. So for the sake of our young people and for the sake of our own health, emotional health, mental health, we have to define what is true north here. And I believe that Scripture does a great job at explaining to us what, what that is. And as a Christian, that is what we adhere to. We believe that. But if you're struggling with your identity, I want you to know that this is also an attempt to start a conversation with you. This is not going to be a judgment. This is going to be a place of saying, hey, let's chat. Let's talk through this. Let's talk through this. But today what I want to do is I want to pray for you. So with every eye here closed and everybody praying, if you're struggling with your identity and today you want to tell God this, you want to say, God, I'm wrestling with this, but I know that you love me. And I'm saying yes to walking my identity journey out with you. That's you. I want you to raise your hand here today. That allows us to talk, to pray. Here's the first thing I want you to know. If you raised your hand, and today even if you raised your hand in your heart, you are deeply and passionately loved by God, no matter what you're wrestling with. He wants you. He's inviting you to take His hand so He can lead you to the green pastures you read about in Scripture. He wants you. He wants to walk you through this. He's inviting you your job to let him lead you. So I want to pray for you. Father God, thank you that you love us. 
Lord, you know the, the identity battle that each of us are going through. And Lord, we haven't even talked about the different identifications of the different generations and how they view themselves toward other generations. We, there's so much about your identity that we need to explore still. But Lord, we know that within all of that lies this truth that we have been created in your image and where we lost it Jesus you redeemed it for us and you're inviting us back into it providing a way for us to step into our true identity by accepting you as our Lord and Savior and being born again being born again into Christ likeness Father, I pray for every person in this room, and especially those who raise their hands, that they might know that you love them and that you have created them for an incredible purpose. You've created them with incredible pride. That the thoughts you harbor of, our, of them are more than the sand on the seashore that you rejoice over us with singing your word says that when you think of us it evokes a strong emotion of, of joy and a celebration about us each and every one of us and Father I pray that each person will step out and say okay Lord I'm willing to take off my glasses and I'm willing to take the journey back to how you view me I'm willing to take the journey back to empowerment, to rule over this world and the hurt and the brokenness of this world. And if you will allow, to even allow me to help bring health and healing to others around me as well. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.